ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Self-transcendence and the evolution of humanity. In this episode, Eckhart talks with an audience explaining the primary reason for this gathering is to become more aware of our transcendent consciousness, the part of us that is beyond the limits of our personality. He says, we can do that through stillness because when we practice stillness, we counteract what Eckhart calls possession by the mind. He explains, most of us are completely absorbed by thinking without realizing it. The good news, he says, is we can change that. Eckhart believes we should resist the thought, I am angry, and instead say, anger is in me. With this, we don't become the emotion. It's a subtle shift. Can you feel that? Eckhart says eventually, these small steps lead to greater awakening. I like to start quite often with a moment of stillness because stillness is of vital importance in your life. If you don't have access to inner stillness, then your life will be unsatisfying and not very enjoyable. However, in a huge place like LA or New York, it is sometimes problematic to begin with stillness because on your way here, in LA, you traveled probably in a car, like most people here, and you might have experienced small forms of, well, unexpected events. Well, I don't know if traffic jam in LA is unexpected, but you, you found um, perhaps irritation arising because we're going to be late. I told you you should have left earlier. No, it was you, you did that, etc. Or there are all kinds of stories probably associated with it. But irritation may have arisen, perhaps uh, even a little bit of anger, and that might still be lingering in your energy field right now, for some of you, possibly. And if that is the case, I suggest the following little practice instead of saying I am irritated which is already better than not even realizing that you are irritated and allow the irritation to control your thinking that is the deep unconsciousness so you don't even know you're irritated because you're in the grip of it. It has become you temporarily. 
it has taken possession of you. And the thoughts associated with it. Interesting. Then the next thing is, you, let's say, you know you're irritated, and then you say, I'm irritated. Okay. Now, as a practice, I would suggest to say, there is irritation in me. Now, it might, you might think it's just a play with words, but it's more than that. To say, I am irritated, or I am angry, yes, it's better than being so angry that you have become the anger totally. However, you are still equating I, identity, with the emotion that has arisen. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. When you say, I am angry, I, because I refers to your identity, you have to be very careful with whenever you say, I am, what you add to that. <laughs> because that becomes your identity, your mind-made identity. So instead of saying, I am irritated or I am angry, there is irritation in me. There is anger in me. It might seem insignificant to you at first. The shift is that the I has taken a step back and the I is no longer identified with the anger. There is an awareness that the irritation or the anger is there. This is a little, very subtle shift in consciousness. And this is a small example, but this is very profound, really, this little, seemingly little shift in consciousness you take a step back, instead of identifying yourself with the anger, you become the awareness of the anger, the space of awareness in which the anger arises. The identification is no longer there. You're not denying it. It's there, it's an energy, you can feel it in the body and it attempts to use your thought processes in order to renew itself continuously. <laughs> and sometimes it succeeds, and for an hour you think angry thoughts, or you can't even listen to this talk here because there's so much lingering irritation. So what am I even doing here? Because it, it goes into all kinds of, it creates new associated thoughts of similar vibrational frequency. You don't know it, but you are ultimately possessed by the mind. So with this little exercise, there's anger, there is irritation in me. Okay, is that so bad? Not really, it's temporary. It comes and it goes. Now, the big thing is, if you are aware that it is there, you are the awareness. You are not that which arises. You are the space for what arises. That's an amazing 
shift. And this is the whole essence of awakening. I'm jumping in at the very beginning of the talk already to, into the very essence of it. Just in case somebody is in a hurry and needs to leave early, then at least you get the essence of it. Okay, I'll give 40 minutes to spiritual enlightenment and or spiritual awakening, and then I have other things to do. <laughs> so this little shift, the stepping back, you become the knowing of whatever arises in your inner space, instead of becoming it. That's awakening, that is spiritual awakening. And that we can practice here and now. So whatever you feel in your energy field, that's what it is. And you're aware of it. You are aware of it. The awareness is also stillness. When you become aware of that dimension within yourself, stillness has arisen in the background. And that's an amazing thing. The word stillness, of course, is limited. One could use other words to point to it. And I probably will use, in the course of this evening, I probably will use other pointers, because some pointers work better for certain people. Depends on your inclination. So now perhaps we are ready to be aware of stillness and to have a moment of stillness. Without thinking, I have to do a meditation now. Let's do a meditation. I'm not even saying that. Just be aware of stillness. Be alert. The alertness is the stillness. The alertness is the awareness. And that is the essence of our gathering here which is operates on two levels, the conceptual level. Every talk operates on the conceptual level because words come, you hear the words, you decipher the words. It's concepts, mental concepts. Most talks are exclusively mental concepts. Spiritual talks, if they are true, have an added dimension that is more important than the concepts, although the concepts point to it continuously. And this dimension is, we could call it stillness, we could also call it the transcendent consciousness, where you become aware of yourself, not as a person, you are also a person, certainly, but deeper than that, you are a space of consciousness. I sometimes use 
the human being. This is a concept. You are a human being. I am a human being. I love it that we have to use two words in the English language to say that in some languages, like German, you have one word that means both man and woman. But in English, you don't have one word that means both man and woman. You have to say human being. And unfortunately, the man is still in the human somewhere. The human. Some people get angry with that. The human is the personality, is your mind, and your mental emotional field, the conditioned entity as which you exist here with a personality. Habitually, what usually you, you refer to when you say I, you refer to that, the human, the person, the personality, you and your history, which makes up the person. And that's what people refer to when they use everybody's favorite pronoun, I. What are your pronouns? I. That's my favorite one. <laughs> and that's what people, if you listen, how many times a day you say I? Many, many times. <laughs> and what does the I refer to? It refers to the human, you. Obviously, it refers to you and your personal history, the accumulation of thoughts and accumulation of residuals of emotions that you have uh, accumulated in previous past years. All kinds of things make up the human, the I, the person, the personality. Most people go through life never going beyond that identity that is based on human conditioning of the mind and the emotions. Me and my story. When people say my life, they talk about my life. They say, what do they refer to? They refer to ultimately a narrative that you remind yourself of and tell yourself all the things that make up the I. Do you want to hear my story? I would love to tell you my story. Please listen. And then you will confirm that my life is very, very hard. And it's been very problematic. I've certainly suffered more than you. That's the narrative, what people say, talk about my life, the I refers to my life. It's the narrative of me. Okay, everybody has one. The narrative of me, the, this mind-made identity, is never happy for very long. It is in a state of neediness and Always there's some insufficiency hiding there. There's something missing. That's an interesting way of putting it. If you're exclusively trapped in that level of existence, there's this nagging feeling that there's always something, with rare exceptions, except you have a great meal or you've just drank some alcohol, but we'll come to that later. But there's a res residual sense of the, you haven't quite arrived yet, or 
it hasn't happened yet, something big that was supposed to happen hasn't happened yet, or there's something missing, I'm not in the right place, I'm not with the right person, I thought I was when I got married, but now I'm not so sure. And then, now most people these days meet online, so then uh, you finally establish a relationship and you fall in love, suddenly you feel fulfilled, and then you start living together. And the, the I that was saying, now I have found the person that is going to complete me totally and fulfill me, and you are him or her. You are, I love you, I need you. Don't you dare leave me. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And then when you start living together, a moment comes, sooner or later, and usually sooner, when something happens in the other, this wonderful, magnificent, faultless being that you married suddenly changes, if only for a few minutes, and the little monster comes through. <laughs> and then suddenly doubt arises, and then you go to the bathroom, and while you sit on the throne, you get out your phone, because nobody goes to the throne anymore without their phone, <laughs> and you suddenly remember that the Tinder app is still on there. <laughs> and you start, maybe I could do better than this. <laughs> and again, the sense of something not quite right very quickly comes back. Oh dear. And it's, it's always there except in moments of brief fulfillment when you just achieved something that you, you were longing for. You passed the exam, you got the promotion, you win the lottery. There's a moment of, ah, oh, I got it, now I got it. And it doesn't last very long, you might have noticed. A few days if you're lucky. And again, the old residue, this, the old, the unease comes back. Something's still missing. People say, sometimes say they're unhappy with themselves. And other people are predominantly unhappy with other people. You, know, you might have noticed that one of the most frequent ways in which you encounter suffering in this life is through other people. Of course, there are other causes of suffering too, could your body and so on, but other people are really something. And that's why 
the French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre realized that at some point he had a big ego and he wrote in one of his books, hell is other people. So there's an, this unsatisfactoriness that people have to live with. Brief moments of relief. Yes, I just mentioned an achievement for a moment. Yes, falling in love. Fall in love, then you fall out of love. And then other brief moments of liberation from this undercurrent of dissatisfaction or neediness, non-completion, whatever it is, brief moments of relief come sometimes. If you're lucky, you get them if you go out into nature and you walk. And if you're really able to be present and take in with all your senses what the sky, the light, the trees, whatever they may be, the ocean, whatever, wherever you are, the, the, the grasses, the smells of the, you're in nature, surrounded by nature. If you can really be there, not many people who go into nature are actually there. They're still so trapped in the, their mind that they're not really there. But if you can be really there for a while, then you experience temporary self-transcendence. Temporary self-transcendence through that. For a moment, the self, which I, this is you, your personal history, your story, what you identify with as you, the personality, the troublemaker, subsides. And there is a consciousness there, but the I, this habitual I, subsides. And so the, this is what I mean by self-transcendence. This is what humanity needs, is. The next step in the evolution of humanity is self-transcendence, which is going beyond egoic consciousness. And that's why we're here. Our gathering here, we are here to either deepen the self-transcendence that has already begun to arise in you, or to even give you a glimpse of what self-transcendence is as an actual experience in this moment, not just something you think about. Self-transcendence, you let go of the eye, you're out in nature, and you go, oh, wow, wow is an interesting, I don't know if it's a word or just a sound when you say, wow, wow. Wow means your mind has briefly stopped, and there's a sense of wonder and awe. By the way, Socrates, the great philosopher, said all philosophy starts in wonder. You wonder. You are at the miracle of existence. Temporarily, you are free of the burden of yourself. You're surrounded by the sense of nature, the sounds, the sights of nature. It's beautiful. It's what nature can offer that to you. It can temporarily free you from yourself if you are really fully there, but you have to be there with all your senses. That's wonderful. So other moments of self-transcendence can be very, very short. You look into the eyes of a baby, one year old. There was one baby worker on the plane in the aisle opposite. This baby must have been maybe just a few months old, maybe four months, five months, or... If you look into the eyes of a baby, for a moment you may be able to experience self-transcendence. 
because when you look into the eyes of the baby, the conceptual mind has not begun to form yet. The conceptual mind is still undeveloped. So they are not burdened by any ego or any concepts. So what looks at you is just pure consciousness looking through the eyes of the baby at you. And often you say humans respond often by saying, wow, what a beautiful baby. But in the moment when you say, wow, for a few seconds, you again, you are free of yourself. When you don't want anything from the baby, you're just happy experiencing, being with this incredible creature. Wow, wow. And so the wow means the mind has temporarily stopped the thinking mind. And that's the key, the stopping of the thinking mind. The thinking mind itself is fine. The problem is identification with the thinking mind, deriving your identity, your sense of who you are from the thinking mind and the story that the thinking mind tells you continuously. I often also suggest to you that animals, just to relate to an animal, if you don't want anything from the animal, just are able to just contemplate the animal. Similar, if you look into the eyes of a dog, and some people, it's the only time when they can feel a little bit of joy. They look into the eyes of a dog. For a moment, self-transcendence has happened. And because the dog, again, has no concepts, it is not imposing any judgments on you. It is not stimulating your thinking mind because the dog does not have a thinking mind. It has consciousness, but not conceptual consciousness. In other words, the dog has no opinion about you. That's a relief. <laughs> and the dog thinks you're wonderful. The famous prayer, of course, is, please God, make me into the person that my dog thinks I am. <laughs> now, of course, the dog doesn't think, but the dog just responds. Some people are kept sane by their pet. Otherwise, they would be totally absorbed in their, in their egoic identity. They, is derived from the thinking mind. So there are moments when they can relate to, oh, they're kept sane by, the, by their pets. It's, it's amazing. There's a little book that I produced together with a cartoonist, and the title is Guardians of Being. I call dogs and cats guardians of being. If you lose touch with being, because humans have lost touch with being, because they're only humans, then the dog is the guardian of being. I've, so I've been speaking about the human level, the human you. But you're not just human, you are also the human being. And being, in the way I use this, this, this term, the being of you is the transcendent, which the Buddha calls the non-self, and which in in traditional Indian spirituality is called the Atman, the self with a capital S, which is not the person. They seem to be talking about different things, but they're talking about the same things. They just use different concepts to point to it. So your life purpose is not fulfilled until or unless you realize the being dimension in you. It's not enough to be a human. 
You have to become a human being. Now, of course, the being is already there underneath the person. Underneath the person, there is this vast consciousness. The analogy I often use is of the ocean and the surface of the ocean. The person as which you appear in this brief lifetime of few years, you are somebody, somebody. <laughs> Interesting word. You are somebody for a brief few years and then you suddenly you are nobody because the body is gone. <laughs> One day you are somebody and the next day you are nobody. The strange thing is they still refer to you when you're dead. They refer to your body as there he is. So the body is part of the human, of course. Now, the amazing thing is when you really look into yourself, then you realize that the part of you that is visible to the senses, which is the physical body, is the relatively minor part of who you are. The moment you move to thoughts, what nobody knows, scientists don't really know what a thought is. What is a thought? Where does it live in you? Where does it live in you? Mainstream science is still, still largely totally materialistic, which means it says that matter is all that exists and everything is matter. And it says that consciousness is a byproduct or they say epiphenomenon, other words, a byproduct of the human brain in some way. This is a long, one could talk about this for a long time. I, I don't want to go this way and entertain you in that direction. I want this to be an experiential gathering rather than an intellectual gathering. But ask yourself the question, what is a thought? Where does it live? All your memories. I suggest, for example, the memory of your deceased grandmother or the memory of you when you were a child. When you were a child, you lived in a particular place. Maybe you had your own room. And you can suddenly re recollect many details of the room there that you had when you were a child, even how the doorknob felt when you opened the door, the carpet, the furniture. And you can remember your grandmother or the, your first teacher when you first started school, the teacher you had then. And you can remember, okay, now you, you hadn't perhaps thought of your first great teacher in several years, but now that I mention it, suddenly there he or she pops up. Where and in what form did this first teacher of yours or your grandmother or the memory of the room that you lived in when you were six years old? <laughs> and of course there are hundreds of thousands of memories like that, but where did this live in you? In what form was it? Molecules and atoms in your brain that somehow certain atoms represent your grandmother and other things represent other molecules, represent other things. The weird thing is if a surgeon opens up your brain, he will not find any of your memories. He will not find you. 
That's a strange thing. He cannot be find things, but not you, because you, you do not exist on a physical level ultimately, only as a physical body. But the, the depth of you as who you are, even who you are as a person, which is still limited, you don't exist in the physical realm, really. I don't know where you exist, perhaps in the cloud. The cloud that you, and then you download the memory from the cloud. So every, every thought is invisible. But if can, of course, it uses the brain in order to express itself. Emotion too, the emotion itself is not visible, but it can manifest, of course, with physical symptoms in the body. But in itself, it's an energy field, a non-physical energy field. So the entire structure of the psychic structure of you is essentially invisible. <laughs> this is why in the, the famous little book, uh, The Little Prince, I think it was, famous classic, it says, what is essential is invisible to the eye. It means all the other senses too. What is essential is not visible to the senses. So you are essentially invisible. The way I see it, his thought does not even exist in this dimension. That's all. You are multidimensional. You exist as a thought-made entity. It's associated with the physical realm, but it is not confined to the physical realm. Your thoughts are invisible. Your whole sense of who you are is invisible. Nobody could find it by looking for you in the physical realm. You're not there. <laughs> and that's, it's an amazing realization that the, who you essentially are is you're invisible. All the thoughts that go through your head, they are, they are not visible to the senses. Interesting. And that's only the surface part of you, even there. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.